When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I am so excited to be joined today by my co-host, Jamie Urich. Hey Meredith, thank you so much for having me back. So in particular, I'm excited to have you on today because I feel like there's a lot of things that are very relevant to you and your experience. In particular, the Oscars last night. We're recording on Monday, but yes. Yeah, we'll get there. But I did see every single film, including like the shorts and like everything that was nominated for an Oscar. So it was, it was a little crazy, but we did it. And then I have opinions. I mean, I can't wait to hear them. We're going to hear some of them through the course of the show, but I do have to ask. So I was Looking at your Insta story, it seemed like you had a really great food theme going on. Can you share that a little bit more with the class? Yeah. So my dear friend, Elizabeth, throws an Oscars party every year. And the rule is everyone has to bring food that is like a pun or themed to to tie into one of the movies. Um, So I made a licorice pizza. It was like a cookie cake pizza. Um, that had just like little bite-sized licorice pieces on top. Um, We had little dirt cups that had sandworms on them, like Dune. Um, Our friend Derek brought wings, and they were Wing wing Richard. Uh, My friend Jared made like – so have you seen Dune? I have not – it, I know I should read the book, but... It, no, you like don't need to read the book. This do is I the one time where you do not need to read the book. Okay, because that's what's been holding my me back is like the order of things, right? The, the throes okay. of quarantine, like the deepest depths of when we couldn't leave our homes was still not enough to make that book interesting. Good to know. All right, I will skip to the movie. Skip straight to the movie. And I would never say that, but there... So our friend Jared made like the kind of the the general thing is that they they deal in spices. So they always say the spice must flow. Um, Jared made a spice must flow apple spice cake that I truly would like to like build a house out of and live in. It was so good. Um, My personal favorite was a set of French fries that were masterfully presented as 
um, an eyeball with some like insane eyelashes and it was the fries of Tammy Faye. We I had saw that. that was amazing. It was ridiculous. We had um the power of the mini hot dogs. What else oh, did we have? Oh, we had uh some themed cocktails. We had Shamrock Sours for Belfast and um my unproblematic king Jesse Plemons who just like stays booked and then goes home to his hot wife Kirsten Dunst. Uh, we were drinking Jesse Plemons gingers <laughs> that were like lemon and ginger whiskey drinks. Um, that sounds delicious. Yeah, it was really lovely. And we also had um, some tennis ball shaped brownies that were like King Richard tennis balls. So some really great and lovely selections. So I would like to be invited to this party sometime in the future, but I have a couple comments. So. Number one, food puns. If I like, can I put forth a resume to be invited to this party? Yes, please. Okay, so I mean, I, you're welcome I, anytime. Thank you, but I do feel like I'm like food puns happen to be a particular passion of mine. Um, one of my greatest, like, most prideful moments in my professional career was naming a set of tacos um, for an event that we were having at work, and it was like, it was like drug discount management, which is like the most boring thing ever. No offense. Um, but I got to name tacos after drug discount programs. I was really proud of myself for like oh my gosh. being able to do that. But the second thing is this came up in conversation over the weekend. So when you described living in a house made of this cake, like I literally just had this conversation with someone about like, if you had to sit in a vat of like any food, what food would that be? So like, would this cake be that food for you? I I think that it might. I think it might. Like I almost cried. It was so good. And I'm not really a dessert person. Like I tend to go more toward the savory stuff. But like Jared, I don't know. You're not I don't know if you're listening to this, but like send me that recipe. Build me a house out of that cake. It was the best thing I've ever had. Wow. It's like a gingerbread house, but not. It was so um, good. Well, I'm I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for this experience. Um, at some point, we do need to start talking about how all of this relates to sports, but we have a theme yeah. for you. Um, but before we get to the main topic of the show, uh, we do have some walk-in items, uh, the first of which uh, Peyton Manning seems to be extremely bitter about Tom Brady unretiring. Uh, in a post that was shared on Instagram, he stated, I want the letter back. You got to read all of those nice things. I want the bottle of wine back too. I have to believe in my bones that he's joking. But also, like, my follow-up question is, when Tom Brady re-retires, does Peyton Manning have to send him another gift? Like, what's the etiquette here on the gift-giving? Yeah, so this was a topic of the pre-show. And like the best comparison that we have is like, what is the protocol for like wedding gifts, for instance? Like at what point do you give gifts back? You know, yeah. What's the protocol for second weddings? You know, what do you do? I feel like I do feel like with the with the retirement, like this gift, he should just let Tom Brady keep the gift now. But then he doesn't get another one when he retires down the road. 
See, I sort of have the opposite feeling. I feel like he's the boy who cried wolf. He can't just say he's retiring and get the wine and get the letter with all the nice things that Peyton Manning said about him. Like, he has to wait until he's actually retired. But now, maybe Peyton doesn't want to give him an actual retirement gift. Because he's like, are you actually going to stay retired? Do you need to stay retired, like, through week one of the following season? Like, That's true. Yeah, maybe there's like a time bound here. Yeah, which I guess like then the question is because like it, I guess in my mind with the, the frame of reference that I have is like if someone got married, this has happened a couple times in my life, like where people got married and then were divorced like within the first year of marriage and like they obviously didn't send the gifts back. But if they got married again really quickly, like I would feel obligated to give another gift. I don't know. It's so it, I'm trying to think through like what the comparable thing would be here where like I kind of feel like I he can just like he can keep the gift, but he's not getting another one. Yeah. And I think the other thing that would support that point, too, is the fact that like this is a consumable item. Like he may have already drank the wine. Right. And he already read the letter. So you can't really take it back. <laughs> I mean... No. Yeah, that's probably reaching. But yeah, it's not like he it's not like Peyton Manning gave him a toaster for retirement and then had to have the toaster returned. Right. Yeah. All right. So it sounds like we have a difference of opinion here. I do think, yeah, I think he should return the wine, assuming he has not opened the wine yet. Um or you know what he should do? He should save the wine until he actually retires and then he, he should invite Peyton Manning over. Okay, yes. I think that actually would be the ideal. Like he's not allowed to drink it until he retires. I mean, we all have that bottle of champagne that we're saving for like an occasion, right? I mean, I have learned that the Kirkland brand champagne holds for quite some time. Hey. That's a fun fact. I do have a friend who she's a firm believer that like champagne is for any time. She'll just thrust nice champagne upon you because she's like, the French do it, so why don't we? And I'm like, I like this philosophy. I really respect that. challenging. Yeah, champagne is my worst hangover, though, so I have to, like, respectfully take a different approach. But I really respect that. I think if you can drink champagne and be a functional person, you should go for it. It's classy. I I just need a team of people. So it's not just me and champagne. It's me and some friends in champagne. Um, But speaking of popping bottles and celebration, uh, we mentioned this on the show last week, but congrats again to the Ohio State women's hockey team uh, on winning the first ever women's hockey Frozen Four, but wanted to bring it up again this week because, Jamie, I know what a passion you have for Olympic sports and in particular the Olympians on the Ohio State women's ice hockey team. I do. Um, I really, really love the women's ice hockey team so much. I just think that what, like, I know that you guys talked about this last week, but I, uh, I did want to talk about it this week. Cause I just like love them. And I love, like, I feel like women's hockey in particular, hockey is one of those sports that is in the eyes of the media, like still so male dominated and women's ice hockey is such a fascinating and fast paced and fun sport to watch. And it's a tremendous display of athleticism. And the OSU women's hockey team had like so many Olympians on it. Um, but also just like in general, the program has completely 180 like in the last 
few years where they were kind of not really a competitive program for a while. Um, this was their first ever Frozen Four title. Uh, and so it was really cool to just kind of see them go all the way. Finally, they were the number one seed for the first time. Um, yeah, it was it was great. So we didn't, you know, in that that final game, we didn't see any like goals from the Olympians or things like that. But I just am really excited for all of their accomplishments and what they've contributed to the program reaching this point, because it certainly wouldn't be where it's at, at a point where they have like a record number of Olympians coming out of the program. Um, They're winning titles like that doesn't happen without a collective effort and a collective display of talent and hard work. Absolutely. And it feels like between Ohio State winning the Frozen Four this year um, and all of the athletes on the various Olympic teams, maybe they should make a movie about them, which is my rough transition into some Oscar subjects, uh, including the fact that the Queen of Basketball won the Oscar for Best Documentary Short Subject. Um, I actually, Jamie, I didn't know this story uh, until I saw it pop up in the news today. But the subject of this film is about uh, Lucia Harris, who was the only woman drafted by a W or excuse me, by an NBA team um, back in the 70s. Uh, and sadly, Harris passed away this past January before the film about her won the Oscar. Um, so like I said, I watched everything that was nominated, including this. I did not know Harris's story prior to watching this short. Um And something that I thought was so fascinating, you know, she talks a lot about she had, she did turn down the NBA. Um, And she talks pretty extensively about how she was like really not, she had no regrets about that, but she was frustrated by the lack of opportunities that she had after college because the WNBA didn't yet exist. Um, And I think it really brings up an interesting point like kind of, you know, to go back to, to women's hockey and things like that. It's like, there are so many sports that for women in particular, that the professional opportunities don't exist, or they kind of cap at like the opportunities to continue playing kind of cap out at college. And I thought it was really fascinating to hear her talk about like, she was the best of the best and didn't have this opportunity to continue or make that her career because the opportunities for women didn't exist. And she could have certainly taken the the NBA um, up on its offer, but that wasn't ultimately what she decided was right for her. And she really didn't regret that, but she wanted to see more opportunities for women across the board. And um, so I think it, you know, it really speaks to kind of the importance of continuing women's professional sports too. Absolutely. And I love this story as as you mentioned, the WNBA did not exist when Harris was around. Would the WNBA exist today if Harris had not achieved what she did in her time? Um, And seeing her as being really a pioneer, not just for women's basketball, but for all of women's sports. um, I will add this along with Dune to my list of things I need to watch this weekend. Yes. Um, Like quick and easy, like a third, like solid 30 minutes. Um, so interesting and and really cool. There's a lot of just really great interview footage with her that um, I thought it was really interesting to hear from her directly. Absolutely. Um, well, then there's Will Smith. Ah! Oh, boy. 
Um, so for starters, uh, Will Smith, I didn't realize that this was his first ever Oscar, uh, mm-hmm. but he did win Best Actor for King Richard, um, which we've talked about previously on the show before. Uh, just a really incredible film about the father of Venus and Serena Williams, um, played by Will Smith. Uh, I don't know if you want to comment on King Richard at all before we talk about the bigger story from the night. Um, I had, so I had some mixed feelings about King Richard, but I think that Will Smith gave a great performance. That's kind of where I'll leave it, I think. So speaking of Smith's other performance of the night. Thanks. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. This is, um. Oh my God. This This is is one of, so when it first happened, the whole room that I was in immediately thought it was a bit because it was like so absurd. There is actually some talk that Will Smith might have his Oscar rescinded because of this. So apparently the Academy is like at this moment reviewing the incident and then there's like some sort of sanction is probably going to come. So they may suspend his Academy membership. They might revoke his Oscar there, it's kind of like up for debate. Um, this is one of those instances. I don't know how much you've been on the internet today where I was like, the internet is the bad place and I have to leave Twitter forever. And the internet is incapable of nuance because it just feels like it's so messy across the board And I think if he hadn't got up there and slapped Chris Rock, like for context for people who didn't see it, Chris Rock made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith's hair. um, And she has been very public about her hair loss due to alopecia, um, which is very common among black women. And she's spoken a lot about that and the struggles that she's had with um, her hair loss journey. And so the joke itself was like kind of a low blow and like really not appropriate. And I think that if he hadn't slapped Chris Rock, like the the narrative would be that Chris Rock was an asshole for making this joke. But now the story is Will Smith slapping Chris Rock on national television, which technically constitutes assault. Like it's a whole, the layers to this are, we could do a whole separate podcast, like just unpacking this. Yeah. Um, so I did I did not see the slap live, um, but I can I I was staying off of Twitter today. I've just basically seen the memes and seen a lot of references in various communication channels, including at work, two slaps. Um, and then I had to go back and look up what happened, which is just fascinating how fast this has become a part of our pop culture. Um, but yeah, definitely more to come with this developing story and certainly the slap overshadowed what should have been a really great moment for Smith uh, with winning that Oscar um, and what was overall, you know, I I liked King Richard, but, uh, you know, what should have been a great moment for that film and that story. Yeah, agreed. So mo- moving on, uh, we're not dropping the Oscars theme just yet, but we are combining it with our other favorite, uh, I suppose, theme of the season. We are down to the final four in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. We're approaching that with the women's tournament with the final uh, game scheduled tonight. Um, So we thought what better way to recap the pandemonium of the first two weekends of the tournament than with an award show of its own. Um, So 
Jamie, I'm just gonna I know we're gonna talk about brackets a little bit more later. But do you before we start, do you have any confessions of the worst of your bracket? Uh, Yes, I sure do. Um, Every year I pick like a Cinderella team that I think is going to be they're going to like knock out a higher seed. And mine was not St. Peter's. Mine was Delaware knocking out Villanova um, in the first round, which was a completely left field choice. And it did not do very good things to my bracket, as you can imagine, because Villanova is still playing. (laughs) I'm sorry about that. It's okay. We'll get to my bracket later. It is a mess. Yeah. Uh, Don't worry. We already recapped the horrors that were mine and Megan's brackets last week. So you are certainly not alone. Um, But in the spirit of the Oscars, wanted to kick off... uh, I feel like they saved this award for last, but we're going to start off with it because it's so obvious. Um, The Lifetime Achievement Award goes to Jamie. Coach K, which it has to. I mean, I mean, like, obviously, who who else could it be? Who else has done more for men's college basketball? It's yeah, it's got to be Coach K. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Duke made a. I think it was it's Coach K's thirteenth Final Four, like his personal thirteenth Final Four, which is a record for any coach. Um, but they've had quite the journey. We'll talk about some of those games coming up. Um, but what better storybook ending to a season than uh, Coach K's last dance ending? You know, at a minimum with a Final Four, and we will see how they fare against UNC uh, next weekend in the semifinals. Um, this is a fun category, and we have a couple nominees for Best Supporting Actress. Um, Jamie, I don't know if you saw either of these folks in action. I saw the cheerleaders who got the ball off the backboard. Yep. Uh, so there were actually two cheer, yeah, two cheerleaders uh, who, when the balls got stuck behind the backboard after different shots, um, did some stunts to retrieve the balls um, and keep the game moving, uh, which was very fun. But the other supporting actress is Kim Holloway, uh, the wife of the St. Peter's coach, who was very prominently featured in pretty much every St. Peter's broadcast. She's a big part of the team. She has two very cute little kids, um, but she was ever present um, as part of St. Peter's journey. Uh, Jamie, who in your mind wins best supporting actress? I think I have to give it to the cheerleaders. They really brought it. They really kept the game going. They sure did. Um, And I was watching, oh gosh, which game was it yesterday? I think it might have been the Kansas game. Like it looked like a ball was about to get stuck and you saw the cheerleaders start to line up. And I was like, oh, this is a thing now. Like everyone's going to have to be prepared. Yeah. Uh, so probably the biggest category, uh, best picture, AKA best game. Uh, we've got a few nominees here. Uh, there was St. Peter's versus Purdue, uh, Baylor versus UNC, that second round game where UNC beat the one seed, uh, and then Michigan state Duke, which is probably Duke's toughest test of the tournament so far. Uh, so Jamie, who do you think is taking the cake for this particular award? So for me, it has to be the St. Peter's-Purdue game. Um, Obviously, St. Peter's was on an exceptional run at this point. Um, Some kind of fun behind-the-scenes facts. 
uh, St. Peter's mascot is the Peacocks. They beat Purdue on National Peacock Day. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is just like super fun and probably didn't bode well for Purdue from the get-go. But and we'll, I actually want to touch on Jaden Ivey from Purdue later in our awards, but Purdue made a kind of a great run at the end to really stay in the game. Like this was just a hard fought game on both sides. And then ultimately St. Peter's like had the strategy and the follow through to hang on to that lead. Um, but it was like really close. And there were a couple moments at the end where I was like, oh, Purdue might just start sinking threes and win this anyway. Yeah, it definitely felt that way. It was great. It was a really great game. I I completely agree. It was a great game. I myself am going to go with Michigan State Duke. Um, Seeing Tom Izzo versus Coach K as kind of this next step in this epic journey of Coach K to the end of the season, his last season, um, and having it be just such an incredible game. It was so down to the wire. Both teams played so well. And just the pure grit of Duke to come out on top uh, for me lands Michigan State the win in that particular category. Very fair. Very fair choice. Um, I mean – they're all winners. As my mother-in-law would say, I just hope both teams have fun. Um, <laughs> it's one of the reasons I love her. She's great. Uh, but the next category we have, so this is a stretch. Uh, best animated feature. I guess we could call this like best short film, uh, but really we're looking for the best commercial of the tournament so far. Uh, Jamie, I don't know if you have a strong opinion on any of the commercials that you've seen. I don't really have a strong opinion. And unfortunately, the reason is because I am not watching on like cable. I'm watching like the the ads are like the kind of pre-programmed ads in between. So I don't get to see a lot of the commercials when I watch, which is kind of a bummer because I am still of the like rare group of people that enjoys commercials. Um, but I'm getting kind of those like the 30 sec, you know, the 30 second ads when you stream things that you have to watch on repeat. It's the same ads between every commercial break. Um, that's what I'm getting. So I'm so excited to hear about these commercials. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, in that case, I'm sorry because yes, your ads are definitely more boring and more repeated than mine. Um, but the two commercials that I wanted to highlight, the first is uh, the Google commercial that actually featured um, a coat child of deaf adults. Um, and uh, he's talking about his journey, um, communicating with his parents. And at the end, you see that he has a child who's meeting his grandparents through all of Google's applications. Um, and it's just a really heartwarming commercial. And I actually did not realize that there was a film nominated for an Oscar based on, uh, called Coda, Child of Deaf Adults, um, featuring, uh, the first deaf actor to win an Oscar. Yeah. So mm-hmm. love how all of this is coming together. It really is. And they, and they had another winner, um, last night as well. So Marley Matlin, one for Children of Lesser God back in the day, but, um, and she's in CODA, but the Troy Kotzer who plays the dad in CODA won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor last night. Amazing. 
Um, the other commercial that I wanted to highlight, and we talked about this, I think, on the show last week or two weeks ago, but it was the Buick commercial. Um, it's words on a screen, and you hear uh, like a crowd cheering, and it's talking about great sports of the, great sports achievements of female athletes. Um, and the last line is, "But you probably didn't see it." And it talks about representation in sports media of women athletes. Um, and I just thought it was a really great series. Uh, one of the ads features Missy Franklin. Um, there have been some other ads as well. Uh, but a really great message highlighting the importance of representation uh, and media coverage for for women athletes. Um, I think I'm going to give the Oscar to the Google commercial, though, because it really got my husband. <laughs> he was very Yay. emotional about it. I love that. The next award that we have, uh, and this is also a bit of a stretch, but Best Costume Design. Jamie, I don't know if you followed the story of Sydney Carter at all this year. The Well, the most recent thing I've seen is the pink leather pants. Yes. And I would say this is not a stretch. Certainly, Sydney Carter gets Best Costume Design. So she certainly does. But I've been waiting to go on this rant for a while. Um and so I did not want to just relegate her to having a great costume. Uh, she's obviously a phenomenal coach. However, Sydney Carter has gotten so much flack this year for her outfits and for how she looks and for focusing on her outfits. And people are so, so rude to her on the internet. The internet is a mean place, as you said before, Jamie. Um, it's the bad place. It's, it's an unkind place. And it's like, why are you criticizing this woman for making statements with her fashion. It's not like her teams are bad. Like her teams love her and she just happens to look really good doing it. No one's criticizing Sherman Dillard for Iowa. He always looks good on the sidelines. No one is criticizing men's basketball coaches in general. Like they could show up in sweatpants, they could show up in a full suit and nobody would have anything to say about it. Also, I like Sydney Carter's outfits. I agree. They're cool. I like the pink leather pants. She's a fashion icon and she's a great coach while she's doing it. And like, sorry if you are uncomfortable with the outfit choices that she's making, but frankly, they're like none of anybody else's business because they're not impeding her ability to do her job. Thanks for coming to our TED Talk or our podcast, I guess. Did you want to introduce the last couple categories, Jamie? Sure. So um, obviously in the movies, we have best original score which would be for music. But in this case, we're going with best original score uh, in terms of scoring plays. I would like to give this one to, as I mentioned before, the Purdue St. Peter's game was like a very close game all the way through. Um, I would like to give best original score to Jaden Ivey, who is a guard for Purdue. He had a three pointer toward the end of the game, like in the last minute um, that was just so beautiful. He was being closely guarded and he shot that like he was, he, he, I mean, he looked like he could have been, he could have made it in his sleep with one hand tied behind his back. It was so beautiful. So I know that you didn't beat St. Peter's, but Jaden Ivey, I just want to talk about that three pointer. It was so beautiful. It was amazing. And also Ivy had such an incredible tournament. Like, yes, it was Sad. I, w- I mean, I was sad because Purdue was the last Big Ten team standing, right? But like, I was so sad for Ivy because he played such a great season. Um, he had such a great performance throughout the tournament. Um, so I don't know. You know, you have the individual players that you just want to see succeed. So, I know. That, that yeah, Jaden Ivy, we love you. 
You did great. Um, And then our last award would go to best original screenplay or for us, which storyline we think would make the best movie. Um, And I, we got to bring it back to coach K. I have to say with the teams that are left, I'm pulling for Duke. I want to see coach K first of all, take down UNC in this next game, because I think that would, it's going to be a fun like rematch of their, of coach K's final game at home um, where UNC beat Duke. I would love to see Duke beat them, win that rematch, and then go all the way and give Co- send Coach K out with the championship. Completely agree. There is no greater storyline at this point in the tournament. Um, we have a final four of Blue Bloods between Kansas, UNC, Duke, and Villanova, who's been one of the best tournament teams of the last decade. Um, and what better outcome could there be of those four teams than Coach K? raising the trophy and cutting out those nets. Like, that is – you could not write this any better. Like, this is such a dramatic wrap-up to the season, and I can't believe we have to wait, like, six more days for it to happen. I know. It's been such a fun tournament to watch because it feels like there have been so many games and so many storylines that have just been extremely chaotic, but in in an enjoyable way. Not like no one's done anything – off color that we need to like scold them for, you know, it just has been really fun to watch. Yeah. And I think it helps that probably both of our brackets were busted on day one very early. So you just get to enjoy the chaos. Um, But we've got more bracketology fun to talk about, but first we're going to take a short break. So stay with us. Welcome back. Uh, So, Jamie, I don't know about you. I have to say that I'm pretty sad that the most chaotic moments of March Madness are behind us at this point. Um, So I do have to ask, how can we keep our brackets going? Yeah, I mean, my bracket was kind of out the window on day one. Um, So happy to start new brackets that are a little more successful. I am a big fan of bracketing vacation destinations. So for those of you who are maybe looking to plan a last minute spring break getaway, or you're looking ahead to your summer travel, um, you can break those vacation destinations into regions and then bracket your way through it until you've narrowed down where you'd really like to go. I love that. I love that so much. Um, so have you done this before? And if so, where have you ended up going? I have. Um, I did it when I was living in Kosovo. And we wound up going to this like small beach town in Macedonia for a weekend. That was really lovely. Um, And then I also did it planning a spring break trip in college and we wound up in North Carolina. That's awesome. So this past weekend, I was so coincidentally, we are going to Italy on vacation in a few weeks. Um, And I needed new sunglasses. And I, I needed like ridiculous sunglasses, you know? Yeah. Like the ones that take up most of my face. Um, and so I like did a bracket for all of the sunglasses that I was interested in, which was probably very annoying to the salespeople, but it helped me find like the best sunglasses because I bracketed them. Yeah. That sounds great. Into it. 
yeah. So ended up like happy with what I got. But last year, my favorite bracket that was not March Madness that I did, um, we went to, if you're from Chicago or I guess Nashville, you know about Parsons Chicken and Fish. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So my friend and I did a bracket of all of their dipping sauces. Uh, So they have like 14 different kinds of dipping sauce. So like there were some like first round buys. Um, but like, and the, at the end of the day, the buttermilk ranch won cause they have like a lot of dill in it. So it's like herbier than a normal ranch. Um, but that was really fun. It required a lot of French fries. That's so fun. Oh, I feel like dipping sauces would be a great one to do. It's really solid. And also like, it's a good one to do at multiple locations because like everyone's ranch is a little different. Everyone's like spicy mayo is a little bit different. Um, so it's pretty cool. I have another friend who did a chicken bracket, like a fried chicken sandwich bracket, but like you need time for that. Yeah. I feel like I would have to really make sure that I like worked through different chicken places. Like I couldn't do that in a day. That's going to take time over the course of weeks. And similar to champagne, like it helps to have friends. Yes. You, you can't be eating a whole two whole chicken sandwiches in one sitting like for several days or weeks in a row. This is where I need restaurants. Have you been to Taste of Chicago? Um, no. So the whole point is that the, you can get a full-size meal at any of the little like food booths, but the point is that you can get like for a dollar or two dollars or I think the, I think you do it in tickets, but like um for like a ticket or two tickets you get like a taste size. So you can just have like a little bite-sized sample of each thing and you can try all the different foods. If I'm doing chicken sandwich ratings, I just need like a little slider-sized one to test it out. Yeah, like a chicken nugget sandwich. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. You could – not easily. You still might need two days for that. But like you could do that. Maybe not a 64 chicken sandwich bracket. It becomes much more manageable. When when they're smaller, bite-sized sandwiches. For sure. Um, I feel like all of this discussion is a really great lead-in to what your actual philosophy was when building your NCAA tournament bracket, though. So I would love if you would share some of that discussion with me. So I have three brackets every year. Um, the first is my standard, like, Ohio State wins the whole thing voting with my heart bracket. That one generally goes off the rails pretty quickly. Then I have a real bracket where I try to like strategically choose who will win. That one also went off the rails quickly this year. But my favorite, and this year my most successful bracket, is which mascot would win in a fist fight. Oh, I love that. And that is, oddly enough, the mask, the, uh, the, bracket that's doing the the best this season. Um, but yeah, so for example, like if it were, you know, Purdue versus St. Peter's, it's like, would the Boilermaker or a Peacock win in a, win in a fight? Like who's going to win that one? Probably the Boilermaker, but you, people can get really, like people get really creative with, with like who would win. Um, I've outsourced this to friends and asked for their opinions or like different strategies. And so sometimes it's like, like, for example, if we were to take Michigan versus OSU, people are like, well, Wolverine would beat a nut, but not necessarily because it's a poisonous nut. And if the Wolverine eats it, then the Buckeyes win. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. 
So it, it gets really, it goes really off the rails. Although this year it is my winning bracket. Okay. So who is the final four in this bracket? Oh, I would have to go. I feel like the Blue Devils, like they would win a lot of fistfights. The Blue Devils generally go very far or like the Billikens if SLU makes the tournament go pretty far every year. They're also like kind of this strange devil situation. Um, It's it's like hard to fight a devil. Like they've got demonic powers. Yeah. And I feel like the kind of inanimate object ones always get knocked out fairly quickly. I actually think I do have Duke. I think I have Duke winning that winning. Like the Jayhawks, they're not they're not in my final four because like a bird is so easy to take down. Come on now. I don't know. Have you like ever encountered a goose? Yeah, but a Jayhawk and a goose are not the same. I would not want to fight a goose. If someone wants to make their mascot the geese, like you might be winning the whole thing. That's true. It might be the goose versus the blue devils at the end. That's not bad. I was just thinking of like probably the worst mascots to, well, like the mascots that will lose. So like they did not make the tournament this year, but like Western Kentucky, like the Hilltoppers not going anywhere. Like the Syracuse Orange, like they're not going anywhere. Right. This is fascinating. It's interesting because are you going based on the actual mascot or like are you thinking of like Brutus Buckeye as like the Brutus mascot or Brutus is in the nut? Because the mascot is like, He's like a beefcake. Like he could win some fist fights. Yeah. I, I mean, I usually go with like the, like I would just say like the nut for OSU, but now I'm thinking maybe I should do like a Thrilla and Manila showdown. Like which one would win in that case? Um, the other one that often goes far is Notre Dame because like leprechauns yeah. are like tricky and wily. And I mean, they're the fighting Irish. Like they're made to, you know. Yeah, fight. exactly. Um, and the one that always makes me really sad because it is my favorite mascot in all of sports, but I'm sorry, like a tree is really easy to take down is Stanford. Like we just, anyone with an ax is going to take you down, but it is, I, I have a deep loyalty to the Stanford tree. I have Um, no strong feelings about Stanford itself, but like that tree, I would lay down my life for the tree. I mean, it's a great tree. I think it's like the chaos of the fact that for any listeners who are not familiar with the Stanford tree, the person who is the mascot annually makes their own costume. So the tree is different, like from year to year, and it is like a level of chaos that I love and appreciate so deeply. I mean, it's great because sometimes the tree is very cute and sometimes it's just downright terrifying, but like no matter what, it's lovable. Like Um, there are times where it's completely lopsided googly eyes and like the mouth is off kilter and like truly insane. I don't know. Big fan has kind of like grade school costume party energy to it. And for that, I love it. I understand that. So hold on. Let's back up a second. So I know that because the mascot is not actually part of like the spirit squad, right? The mascot is part of the band officially at Stanford, right? I think so. Yes. And Stanford's an interesting one because like they are technically the cardinal, but like the tree is their mascot. So I guess I should probably like reevaluate and make sure I'm being consistent as to whether it's the mascot itself or the like. Well, if I recall correctly, they're actually the cardinal, like the color. Really? I think you're right, actually, now that you mentioned that. And I think that I've blocked that out of my mind because it seems so ridiculous. I mean, yes, 
It is ridiculous. I'm trying to like see if I can confirm this on Google real quick, but I oh, just keep yeah, going. you're right. I just Googled it. You are correct. Sometimes these random facts stick with me. It's like I think there's like five mascots in the NCA or in like Division One that are colors, which is always like a fun party game to play. The other fun one is there's nine professional sports franchises whose names do not end in S. We're not going to play that game now because we would be sitting in silence for like 45 minutes while we tried to figure them all out. Um, But yeah, fun party trick. Wow. Wait, how many professional sports franchises? There's nine. Nine. Okay, well, the Red Sox and the White Sox. Hey, nice work. I'd have to think about the rest though. So we'll save that for a later date. Yes, we'll (laughs) we'll return to this uh, at a future podcast. Um, Well, Jamie, I (laughs) I feel like you know, what better place to end than Cardinal and which mascot can beat up other mascots. Um, but before we wrap up the show, uh, do you have any shout outs? Um, yeah, I would like to bring it back to the women's hockey team and shout out uh, Peyton Levis, who's the senior forward. Um, she was named the most outstanding player for the Frozen Four Championship win. Um, and in addition to her power play goal in the second period of the final that put the Buckeyes up, she scored a goal in each Frozen Four win and set an OSU postseason record with 11 points. So I just want to shout her out as she ends her senior season um, on a really high note. I love that. Congrats, Peyton. So I'm going to shout out, I mentioned two commercials earlier that I thought were very strong and powerful throughout the NCAA tournament. Um, but I did want to shout out Powerade because they also have a pretty great commercial running um, featuring Simone Biles. And the theme is uh, giving athletes a break through the off season. Um, and I just think that's such a great and forgotten message. Uh, it feels like we often, we often, as a society, uh, we put so much pressure on athletes, especially young athletes and college athletes to always be performing, but, you know, to be able to say, hey, you should take a break and you should, I mean, I guess have a power read, um, but do the things that you need to do th- so that you can recover and come back stronger than ever. Um, it's a refreshing message. And I just realized I said refreshing in the spirit of like a sports drink commercial. So I apologize for that. I love that. Oh, I need to check that commercial out. Food puns. But I do love a good food pun. So I appreciated that. Wow, I'm going to check the commercial out. I love that message. <laughs> it was great. And like Simone Biles is like getting her nails done with like goats on them. And she's talking about like, sometimes you just need to take a break from being a goat and be a person. And I'm like, ah, love you. Love everything about you. Yes. All right, that's all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Jamie at Jamie Urich, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at LandGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl, and as always, go Bucks.